0: Welcome to the remembering ethan podcast i'm chris tafoya my guest today is justin stewart justin is the lead vocalist guitar player and songwriter for his band rose colored eyes justin and i didn't know each other when i lived in phoenix but i became aware of him through facebook when i saw that he and ethan were friends and also the fact that he was doing some performances with my other friends the rock bottom bros when i reached out to justin to see if he would like to talk about his friendship with ethan he was happy to do so so here's my conversation with justin stewart i hope you enjoy it Justin Stewart, thanks for uh, making the time to talk to me today. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Can I was excited. Speak? I can hear you pretty well. Yep. But um, so this is this is our first meeting. This is the first time that you and I or am I missing something? Did we ever meet out in Phoenix? Maybe. When did you move out to your know, Wisconsin? I live in, well, Pretty much. I'm on the border of Wisconsin and upper Michigan, about two hours north of green Bay, right? Where oh, Wisconsin wow. touches Michigan. Yeah. A lot farther, lot, very far from Phoenix now. Um, yeah. I never thought I'd end up up here. Cause I used to see Wisconsin in movies and show and shows and stuff. And all I know is that there's snow and beer and the Packers, you know, right. But yeah, I'm right in the middle of it now. Um, so I left Phoenix in 2010 and I met Ethan in 2003, somewhere around there. Are you a native Phoenician? Yeah, I'm, I'm a native Phoenician. Okay, cool. So, um, born and raised. so we might have been running around in the same circles, but just kind of missed each other. And like other conversations, musicians usually don't see each other because we're all playing, you know, and I, I used to perform yeah. a lot. So.
1: Yeah, that's the typical thing. It's like I hear about... I, you know, I've heard your name and I, same with Ethan too, you know, like uh, a lot of the, the guys that uh, have been around forever. It's like, we've hung out a handful of times, but I just hear or see that they're playing. We're always playing the same night. So you never get to
0: hang out, you know? But one thing you definitely do is you hear about everybody from Ethan. Cause remember he used to love talking about all his friends and, Oh yeah, check this guy out. And I'm pretty sure I heard your name come out of his mouth at some point. Marty Lucas I yeah. like that. I never knew Marty, but Ethan loved him and would talk about him all the time. Nine ball and Marty.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ethan um so it, Ethan uh I I just um have a th- couple, few things written down, but uh basically I have the the legend uh underlined cuz like what well, before I met him, <clears throat> I had heard about him from several people musicians and people kind of talked about him like he was this kind of like mythical figure you know like living on a mountain you know uh they were just like oh ethan ethan you know he's just so good you know like and he played with i don't know who he was playing with back then or a few different bands but uh whoever he was playing with i was just always like damn like those guys are good you know and and ethan you know this dude like it was intimidating because like I had heard so much about him before I actually met him, and I'm not sure he even knew who I was. Um when we finally did meet that I was kind of like, wow, you know, I know this guy's good, and um, you know, he's kind of has this larger life personality. Um, I actually don't remember the first time meeting him. I th- I think it was at the baseline pub, maybe. But we used to both live by there and um And we would go in after our gigs, you know, so I would always hope that he would show up there because anytime he would come in, it was like the mood shifted. It was like more energy and we would talk and he was just like stoked. And he always, um, he really wanted to know about like my original stuff that I was working on because he had listened to some of my stuff. And he was just like, your originals, you know, you got to you focus on that. And I thought that was so cool, you know, because here's this guy who is this like the badass, like kind of legendary mythical being, you know, who wants to hear about my stuff, you know, who want to talk about me. And I just thought that was so cool. You know, he made me feel like kind of like the most important person, you know, he had that quality, you know of making you feel like you were important and that you mattered and this mattered. this conversation was important. And it was like, there was a a subtle, like kind of light hearted, like humor about it that it was like, Oh, nobody else knows what we're talking about. Cause this is like, we're cool. You know, you (laughs) talked to Ethan and we had so many of those conversations, like late night at, um, so baseline pub, we would go in there and, um, a lot of times we would end up going back to my place and we had a little fire pit in the backyard, um, in Tempe and, and we would break out the guitars. And I remember, you know, he would have his, his guitar upside down. He played upside down and uh, backwards, right. So lefty with the strings and opposite and which is a trip, you know, but like once you get over that, we're just kind of trading songs and playing stuff and, you know, it was just cool hanging out. It was always a good hang, you know? Um, and, like, you know, a couple of times my roommate would come out and be like, dude, you guys are way too loud. Like, can you just not, you know, because it's like a Tuesday night or whatever. We're playing at, like, midnight, you know, 1 a.m. outside. And so you know, we would turn it to conversation. And I think I remember him having this, like, crazy knowledge about – like the uh, the stars, like astronomy, and certain things that he knew a lot about that I was just like, how the hell do you know all this? Like, where did this come from? You know, he had this really, like, sage-like kind of way of delivering this information that made me feel like I was around the presence of uh, someone who's just really smart, you know, like, knew his shit. He just seemed to know what he t- was talking about, you know? And once again, he would always, always turn it to like me, like my original music. And what was I doing? he's like, you know, if we, we could like, you know, I'll play bass. I'll find, I have a drummer who's perfect. And, you know, we'll go play gigs and your originals, like, you know, we can make it, man. (laughs) It was kind of like that, but he just made me feel good, man. And um, that's kind of how I remember starting the the hang with him was that like those late nights like afterwards at the baseline pub and then hanging out in my backyard playing guitar and um and then um did you guys eventually end up in a project together uh we played a few gigs but it was just one of those situations where you know he's busy but he was always like i always had time for you man like just just book it. I'll make it happen, you know? And um, so I we played a few gigs, but I also have my band, you know, and I'm working with my guys. And so, but I really was like wanted to work with Ethan too. So there was a, a few special occasions that we got to play together. Um, I think the first gig that we played, I needed a bass player for it was a gig at Seamus McCaffrey's in downtown Phoenix. And um, no rehearsal, you know, typical, like, Ethan style, you know. He's like, no rehearsal needed. Like, he took a look at the list. He's like, oh, yeah, I know all those songs. And I love your originals. Let's play more originals. And I'm like, do we need to rehearsal? He's like, no, I got them. I got them all. Listen listened to them all. I had them down, right? And, and he, like, legit knew my set. Like, it was no... They, did not need a rehearsal. It was great. And, and like, the thing that I was, like, really impressed about, like, on that first gig, because, you know, he was just crushing, and he brings this energy, you know, this lively spirit. But, like, we'll get into a, a, a song that's, say, like, this is a Paul Simon tune in the key of A. And he basically was, like, one of those, like, in the key of A, he's, like, just follow me. He looks at me. And it's just like, follow me. Like, I got, I got us. I got this. And I'm like, all right, cool. And he's like, just A, A. And so like, we get the the, to, the tune going and he just starts weaving through like four or five different songs, like a medley of different things. And he's ad-libbing and stuff, you know. And um, I was like, he just made it real easy and fun for everyone. And in between the songs, he's like picking out people in the crowd and like, kind of like, Roasting them, you know, and, and but people were like laughing because everything he's saying is just he's like a comedian, you know. It was like I was so it was just fun. We had a good time, and that, that's why I remember about our,
0: our first gig. Mm-hmm. Um he was very good at that time.
1: Yeah. Um another um another time. We played. I think the second one we played was up in Prescott. We did a gig, um, and I needed a rhythm section. So um, he got Ryan from Nine Ball, who's also great. Um, and he was like, "He's like, we're your guys. Like, we both love your originals, and uh, we're gonna go up there and crush it." And his dad, I guess, lived up there. At the time, I don't know if he's still up there, but he's like, my dad's going to come out to the gig too. And he's, he, he's a lot of fun. You love him. So we get up there. And the same deal, you know, like those guys are just such pros, you know, like um, we're caught in uh, trading tunes, you know, I'll do one. Ethan does one. And then he's, he has his thing. He just goes into his Ethan thing. And um, I almost left out the, hit the bass. Cause I, I remember when he got his bass and I'm pretty sure this is back at the, uh, the baseline pub. Cause like, I was like our hangout, you know, like, cause we both live right by there, but he got his bass and I remember him showing me and he was so excited because it had the fretboard that lights up. Um, so he had like a switch, a toggle switch where he would flip it and the fretboard would light up. With the, the emblem, I think it was a Warwick emblem or his custom emblem, but it was this blue light and the fretboard and the dot, the, the fretboard markers and the anyways, it, it would light up. And it just looked cool. Right. But I'd never seen anything like that, you know, besides like those fret light guitars. But like those are kind of cheesy. This was like this was like a giant lightsaber, you know. <laughs> and uh, I know he was a big fan of Star Wars. So it was just like so fitting, you know, he's like, OK, he has a fucking lightsaber now. Like <laughs> and uh, I, I think he got the deal with with Warwick. Right. So like right, he deal. he was just stoked. And I was like, yes, you know, this is so cool because it it was set up uh, lefty and with upside down. You know, so the strings are the opposite. You know, they're set. The strings are strong right handed, but it's upside down. So it was set up. It was all custom. It was like, just cool. And we get on these gigs and I remember he didn't like, he wouldn't just turn the lights on, on the base without there being like uh, it had to like build up to that moment, you know, we're like in a jam, you know, and we're, we're like starting to get grooving and like, he'll like, he'll uh, looks at me. You know, and then like flips on the lights, and then all of a sudden it's like go to the next level. You know, it's like lightsaber activated, and then it was like I don't know, man. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that. It was just like I don't know, like just one of a kind, and kind of kind of shit. You know, like uh I've just never seen like well, played anyone with anyone that like has that kind of like um,
0: bravado. Is that what you would call it? Fearlessness, almost like he didn't—he wasn't afraid yeah. of finding things. Yeah, yeah. He he, he was doing that thing really well. I never saw it in person because I had, I was gone by then, but it was impressive how he would use that. That it's, was it.
1: The, yeah,
0: uh
1: <laughs> it's so great. Like when he turned the light on, like he knew, like this is like gonna take it up. Like he would ramp up to where he could turn, I don't know what it was, whether it was like he knew there was the right time to turn the light on, or if it was cued by, or if that triggered like the next level or whatever, you know? He had his own bag of tricks, and um, they were totally his own, and you tell, I don't know if he pulled any of that stuff from other people, or if he just had it completely his own, but because he had, The medleys and then he had um what was that Uh, a boy named luke you know like yeah (laughs) the creativity involved in that like who who sits down and writes something like that you know like it was like very masterful but like in a fun like light-hearted sort of way like Mm -hmm. he understood like or he just what embodied it. it was like This is supposed to be fun. And we're here to like have fun. And like if people are having fun with us, that's like that's the stuff right there. And he just had this way of like let having everyone like loosen up. You know, it was like there's no uptightness at the gig. It was all like just fun. And um I think like some of those things that he would do really just like that was all part part of the part of the deal, you know. It's like he wouldn't just play a song, you know. It was not the same every time. It was like creative and uh it was yeah, it was fun and funny.
0: Those times that you were performing with him and and observing yeah. him do all those things, did you take any of that stuff away and use it in your own in your own musical performances? Like did you learn anything by being on stage with him?
1: Yeah, I mean I think the big takeaway for me was like have fun and like don't be afraid to improvise and and uh don't be afraid, just just have fun. And and like really the energy was like was like this guy brings such a fun, positive energy to the gig, you know? And he was, I mean, with all this being said, he was a great player. I mean, his skill. I mean he could have just been like showcasing his like expertise and like knowledge of the instrument you know because he had that in spades, but he he was all about like simplicity and and making it fun and involving the band and the audience and um I think that probably is what I learned the most. It's like you could have all the ability in the world, but it's it's all about like getting everyone together and having a good, having a good time, you know. But um, some of those tricks that he has, I mean, dude, there's no one else who can do that. You know, like I, I would love to see someone do a boy named Luke. I mean, that would be, cause I think that torch needs to be carried along, you know? Um, but he had this way of delivery, you know? Um, okay. So there's another story. He, he hired me to do a wedding gig um, and I I can't remember how many years ago it was. I want to say it was like 2013, 2014, maybe. And he, w- it was going to be an acoustic duo with him and I. And then um, the night before the wedding, and then the reception was going to be a full band. And um, I, he was... Um, I just remember that it was great and everyone loved it. The wedding was like uh, at this people's house. It was like a really upscale, really nice house, really nice neighborhood. And um, we were playing and I remember the, like the, um, the grandpa had like fired up a doobie and it was like, He's like, it's for my glaucoma. And he's like, uh, passing it around. And I remember the police showed up and Ethan, Ethan launches into uh, the bad boys theme song or the cops, cops theme song, bad boys. And the cops like come in and like, and Ethan's just like, here, you know, follow me. I got this kind of another kind of thing. He launches into bad boys. He's like, bad boys, bad boys. What you going to do? And like the cops started laughing, you know, They're like and I remember him kind of like, you know, making a couple of cracks about the cops, you know, and, and they were like, OK, all right. You know, like he made them like part of the part of the fun, too, you know, and and. Uh, anyways, I just remember that that stood out because it was like, you know, even when the cops show up, he has a way of like making them have have a few laughs, too. I thought that was pretty
0: cool. It was almost like any situation he was in, uh, you said earlier, it's like any room he entered, he brought a calming effect with him. You know? Yeah. And he was able to diffuse situations like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Did you guys ever um, record any music together? You know, he loved your original so much. Did you get him in the studio ever? We did not. No, we never got in the studio.
1: Unfortunately, it was like um, we only played those few gigs together and hung out, you know, we would we would hang out. And, um, you know, it turned into being really more like f- good friends and um, like bandmates. You know what I mean? And um, I thought that was cool. I don't know. I just I really I looked up to him and I, I just felt like. I don't know um he just had this uh kind of like elder knowledge of it just seemed like he'd been around for a lot longer like maybe more than this lifetime even you know he had the, this old soul kind of thing and so one time I got around him I just I almost felt like I wasn't worthy almost you know um just cuz I was like man you know I I felt like I just had so much to learn from this guy, you know? And, um, you know, because it, it was a case of one of those where it's like I, if I didn't know what to do, he'd be like, Oh, I got this. I got it. Follow me. Oh, like every gig we played, it was always that, like, I got this, like, here's what we're going to do. I got a plan. And, and it always worked out somehow. And, um, and then him, like, supporting me and talking about my originals and stuff, you know, he, he instilled some confidence in me that I didn't have at the time, you know, it was like, I was a little bit self-conscious of my own stuff, you know, I didn't uh, know if it was good or not, and wasn't really, you know, and even still, it's kind of like, I think back to, to him, you know, saying that, being like, your, your shit's really good, man, you know, keep doing it. It's really encouraging. And it just, um, yeah, it's just one of those voices, you know. I, I still think
0: about Ethan all the time, man. He was such a great dude. And he was just uh, able to boost people's confidence and bring things out in them that they may or may not have uh, been able to bring to the surface on their own. He had that effect on people, you know. He definitely did.
1: And... Um, yeah, I think I don't know. I think maybe because it was like through he kind of set the bar a little bit higher, but was like kind of reaching down and was like, Hey, come here, like I I'll show you like you've got the stuff. Like I'm telling you, because I'm here. Like and I believe that he was great. Cause I like I said was early on, I had heard about him. And then when I finally, you know, met him and like every experience, I, whenever I saw him playing out, I always would stop and like listen and it was just, um, I don't know, uh, it just didn't seem like he ever had like a, from my perspective, he never like had like a, you know, off day from from where I was from, you know what I mean? Like he was always on, you know, to on some level. So,
0: so Ethan was notoriously known, was notorious for his humor and his wit stuff like that. And a lot of the guys I talked to, it's almost like he had his own inside joke with each buddy that he had and his own personality that he would use with them. Um, Did you guys have like an inside joke or like, where would, where would you go when you were matching wits or having your conversations? What did you guys like to talk about or joke about? Dude, honestly, like it was always, there was always an element
1: of humor involved and i just like i just got a kick out of being around him and then especially at like the gigs that we played i remember him on the mic like riffing and like calling people out and talking about him and like you know it was like a comedian it was a stand-up comedian you know like calling out people in the audience and then doing jokes about whoever it was and coming back to him and roasting people you know and um it was like, holy shit, man. Like, this guy is on a different level, you know? Because by that, he, like, brought people in by making them laugh and laugh at themselves, laugh at each other. And so then it was, like, all of a sudden, the the tables had turned, you know? Because a lot of times, as a performer, for me, it's like, I'm nervous. And that the audience feels bigger than me. And when I was playing with him, it was like, all of a sudden, now the audience looks smaller and we're like, he's make people laugh. And everyone's laughing together, you know, but like, I don't know. He, he had a way of like saying things that were like borderline, I guess like offensive, but like so funny and so accurate that was like, you couldn't help but be like, that's so true. You know, like, so I, I mean, I can't uh, think of a specific thing that we would joke about but um yeah it was always humor was always there and um I don't know I think that that's part of uh that's one of the endearing qualities that he had it was like getting me out of my like serious guy mode and like getting to like laughing and having some fun
0: so yeah Um, You know, another thing that I used to love about Ethan, too, because everything you're saying, I can totally relate, relate just to be standing next to him and I could have had a, you know, been just followed him around all day, (laughs) you know, and one of the things that I loved was that he was so accommodating, he was so willing to say yes to so many situations that he would end up jamming with these musicians and he would come back with these hilarious stories You know, do you remember any of those stories that he used to tell about the guys that he'd jammed with or the situations that he would be in?
1: Well, I just know that I'm like, how the hell did he have, you know, enough time in the day? Because it seemed like he was working every night, you know? And, uh, yeah. And it's kind of one of those scenes. It's like, well, how the hell does this guy have enough time for me? You know, like, right. And then, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, he always seemed to kind of make it work. Like if he, if he decided that he liked you and wanted to work with you, there was nothing. It's not like he made it seem like he wasn't booked out every single day in a week. It's like, Oh yeah, no problem. We'll make it work. I'll make that work.
0: It was interesting. How did he find time to do that? Yeah, same here. I mean, obviously for a lot of years he was single. It wasn't until he got married. I think that, um, he had to really split his personality or give someone else's attention, you know, on a deep level. Uh, for a lot of years, he just, he was just jamming, you know, music, 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 project, project, gig, 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 one thing to the next. You know, I can't even remember how many bands he was in. It's crazy.
1: I mean, come to think of it, I do remember um, him mentioning it and then like, there was a lot of stories about like, like legendary stories. I can't remember one in one specifically in particular, but I've seen, I remember seeing pictures of him and like his crew, you know, back in the day and like hearing stories of them, like playing these Epic gigs and like, it was just places were packed and, um, you know, those guys, like, Ethan had, like, the golden tongue, you know, like, you just could say anything to anyone, you know, like, I swear to God, you know, if he wasn't playing music, he could sell anything, you know what I mean, like, he, or be a he, cult leader, <laughs> you know, or be a cult leader, yeah, he was one of those guys, that, like, he could do anything he wanted, kind of, and, like, I've heard of, like, you know, when the, he was in his single years, you know, he <laughs> those guys, you know, were just, Killing it, you know, the back in, you know, wherever they were playing. It was, was it Kokomo Joe's? Was that the place?
0: That was a popular hang. Yeah. Kokomo Joe's was one.
1: A friend of mine was like, who's also a bass player and was like, uh, he, I just remember him talking about Ethan, you know, about how he wanted to be as good as Ethan. And then like seeing them at Kokomo Joe's and then, and then hearing the stories from Ethan, but he wouldn't like brag about it. He was never a bragger by any means, but it's uh, just like mentioning a couple of things, a couple of times gigs or whatever, back in those days, you know, it's just kind of like, it's like, yeah, you know, we kind of ran the place, you know, back then, you know, I don't know. just one of those like legendary kind of store epic stories, you know, where you could just use your imagination, you know, back i think also back during that time like bands were looked at differently i don't know it just seemed like like a place like that having a regular gig it was like a different vibe maybe than it would be nowadays playing in a band maybe not i don't know but it just it it seemed to me like those guys were like basically in my head they're playing like the Copacabana and the place was like jam-packed every night and they could have like any woman that they wanted and and I just for hearing back it kind of like doesn't seem far off I mean maybe not the Copacabana but like right Copa yeah.
0: Joe's I think it was you know there was a there was definitely a heyday especially for cover bands you know uh-huh. for, like the the Phoenix Tempe I mean but you know they would go all Chandler I mean all over all over the valley, you know, and um, when he was with Capital Down and Tate, I mean, they would just pack, pack the place, you know, and then Nary an original meet, song in sight, you know, it was all covers, but mm. in their own style, you know, in their own jokes. Right. Their own, it wasn't just a band playing. I mean, they were so, and I think um, Ethan was responsible for that for every project he was in. Everyone would see the response he would get by interacting with the crowd. And then everyone would just kind of join it. Capital Down, I think, was the most interactive band that I ever saw. Did you ever get a chance to catch uh, Mike Hill and Alan and Ethan and Mike Mercer do their thing? No,
1: I never got to see those guys play. I've heard the stories, though, and I've seen the
0: pictures. Yeah, there's there's tons of stories and pictures because those guys were just hilarious. It was almost like watching a comedy show, honestly. Right. Um, Every other song, Mike's switching the lyrics up and Ethan's you know, egging them on and they're making fun of someone in the crowd. And They could they could have cared less, dude, if the audience was into them or not. It literally was that <laughs> one. You That's know?
1: great, man. Mike uh, Mercier uh, was a regular at the Baseline Pub, too. I think maybe... He might have introduced me to Ethan when we were hanging out there early on. But I remember definitely we all live close to there and would like be there at the same time. And so I get to hang out with those guys, you know, and it was like talk about like comedic, comedic wit, you know, and just like. You
0: get those two guys together?
1: Forget it, man. <laughs> I know. I couldn't even get a word in edgewise. It was just like, I'm just there listening. I'm a, I'm a spectator, you know. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah you know, man, you know, you don't, it's, it's like the old Cinderella tune or the old saying, right? You don't know what you got till it's gone. And there are just so many little things that Ethan used to do in my life that I just miss so much, you know, what is it about his absence in our lives now that you miss about him? Like, what do you, what do you physically feel from him not being around anymore? You know, it's weird. I, I thought I saw him the other day. It was
1: really strange. Like. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Once, like someone passes, and then I don't know. I, I was, I there was at a gig and I saw someone and I did a double take and I was like, "Oh shit!" And I'm like, "Oh, it's just so weird that he's gone." You know, I'm still kind of processing that one. But um, I just think like I just always knew that he was out there, you know. And it was like, oh, you know, I could reach out to him and the you know get that hang and uh i don't know just kind of re- like realizing that that's not uh that's not possible it's just it's it's weird um but i don't know i think the world especially right now needs more of the humor and more of that like light-hearted energy you know that that he brought, you know? And so I definitely miss that. And um, yeah, I mean, like he's, he was the dude, he was the like the legend, you know? I mean,
0: I don't know. Well, what if, what if by some magic way, dude, you had, you know, Ethan showed up at your door and you had one day to hang out with him, you know, what do you think your ideal day would be? Hanging out with Ethan just one last time. What do you, what do you think you'd want to do with him?
1: Oh, man. I don't know, man. That's tough. I mean, I know we would jam. We'd probably jam for sure. Uh, probably jam and then go hang out and like um, talk about uh, constellations, you know, and uh, Greek mythology and some other profound like. You know, ancient thing
0: that he knew all about. You know, there's all the fluff and the jokes and the this and the that. But I mean, he was a really, really deep dude. You know, and and knowledgeable. So many things.
1: Yeah, I think I, I think you know, and um, my memory isn't the best from those times, just because we were, you know, a lot of it was spent at around the pub. You know, so we we but we would have great conversations, you know. Um, and I think that's why what really like kind of drew me into to that guy was that um, it wasn't just like dick jokes and like humorous fluff like you said it it kind of quickly like careened into a really deep like intelligent conversation you know I mean with the dick jokes too but like right it was but it was, uh, <laughs> That's true. I mean, it was, yeah, like the humor was laced in there, but it was just like, man, this guy can, can have a conversation about some, some stuff, you know, like he knows some things and I want to know, but he knows. And then it just was like, you know,
0: philosophical stuff. And, um, a lot of the people you come across have a mask on or an ulterior motive. And that just wasn't his mind frame, you know. It just wasn't where he was coming from, and you could tell pretty early on, you know.
1: Yeah, he was a no bullshit, no bullshit kind of guy. I think that yeah, his strength being intelligent and um, having the gift of like humor is that he could sniff people out pretty quickly, right? He's a great feel for personalities and people and. The vibe and he he would be able to like so sort of like sniff that out and then like call it out immediately and then like in a way that where it was like made it apparent he knew exactly what was going on and then also making the people around him who he felt were like on his you know who were positive he, he made them feel comfortable like for me personally like he made me feel comfortable safe and like aware that he respected me and then it was like once you're in like the club then it's kind of like I don't know it it, it was a it was very I don't know he he definitely had a way about about him that was um was like secure you know I think feel like if you were to go to battle he would be like the dude that you want to be fighting with you know
0: one of the questions i like to ask people is well you know like if someone didn't know ethan how would you explain to them how ethan who ethan is like what his personality or why is it that everyone likes ethan so much how would you explain ethan as someone who didn't know him i
1: mean i'd probably start with a boy named luke um i'm just describing the fact that he took uh a boy named sue and then like rewrote it based on like um star wars i mean if you get if i mean just i think that says it all (laughs) i don't know man like that's a really tough one because he he's a complex guy right but uh i would i would say that ethan is um He was someone that um, I think he was always alive and he made other people feel a part of that. Like there's certain individuals that are like, they have this spark and I don't know what you call it. If it's like enlightenment or like just it's extra bit of like life in them that is inspiring and draws others towards it because it's it's special you know and he had that he had that thing it's like in show business we're like you got it kid I don't know what it is but like he had he had it you know it was like it was just like I've never met anything anybody like him but I've met people who had something special. And part of that is like, like I was saying before, the ability to make you feel like, like you were the most important thing going on in his life at that time. Like he really had that, you know? And it, and it was like, there was no half ass in it. It was, it was all in, if he was gonna do something, if he's gonna commit to it, commit to spending time with you and doing something, he's gonna do everything he, he can. He's gonna give, he's gonna give you all of his energy. And um, and the cool part about that is that his energy was always like positive. he was always like uh like real upbeat and had positive things to say, you know. Um, and you know, always come away from like a hang with him, being like, either I learned something or I feel better, or I feel like that was like fun. I just had a good time, you know? So, you know, it's just like, it's just so sad, you know, it's like the, only the good die young, right? But, so um, maybe he burned twice as bright,
0: you know? I don't know, but um, gone too soon for sure. I also wanted to mention that your guitar work on the Rock Bottom Bros new single is like killer, you know, not too much, not too little, great tone, fits in perfect with Paul, with the rhythm set with Paul and Mike. I mean, now did you did you write that song with them or did they bring it to you and you just kind of added your guitar part to it?
1: Yeah, I wrote that one like um just at home, you know. Um I had oh, a demo and then
0: yeah cool man it's a catchy tune i really like it very good you know ethan was all about promoting his friends and you know their abilities and their talents and stuff like that before i let you go um do you have any plugs or uh you know gigs or anything you'd like to share with the audience with what you're up to i mean we never even really talked about if there's anyone listening to this never even talked about what it is you do so can you tell us your instrument and then maybe share some Ways that people can check you out? Yeah,
1: yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I've been, uh, so I play guitar and sing in uh, Rock Bottom Bros and uh, Rose Colored Eyes, um, which is my band that I have have had for a long time. And uh, uh, so I've been working with, I started working with Mike and Paul with the Rock Bottom Bros during COVID and started writing songs and recording them uh for the last couple of years and we have a bunch of songs that are like in the process of um either being almost done uh or there's a couple that are actually done they're just getting mastered and that first one the do it again track was the first one and um yeah so i think we have a full album almost that's going to be coming out and i, and I think we're going to probably you know, release them as singles. I'm not sure how the kids do it these days, but whatever's best. But but it's good stuff, and it's new material. And it's coming out. should be coming out soon. And um, we're going to be performing as Rose-Colored Eyes on October 8th. It's a Saturday. Um, and uh, that's at Oktoberfest at Tempe Town Lake. We play at 3 p.m. And uh, so, yeah, we got that show. We got a bunch of new songs that are are raring to go they're going to be coming out soon and then um yeah just keep playing you know i I think um having this conversation and reminiscing about playing with other you know with ethan and you know um it just kind of like you know it makes me think like if you have the if you got good guys that you're playing with or good people and you're enjoying it like just really enjoy that, you know, and, and um, as musicians, for me, as a musician, sometimes I get I'm quick to think about, like, what's it going to become, or where's it going to go, what is this leading to, instead of just being like, hey, you know what, this is awesome, man, we get to hang out and play music with each other, like, that's, that is a gift, man, so just try to enjoy it right now, you know, enjoy what we have, and enjoy our friends, and our family, you know, while we're still here right now, you know, there's no time like the present.
0: Justin, I really appreciate your time, man. I know you got to get going here and um, thank you for taking the time to talk about Ethan today. I can tell you miss him and you're not alone.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, man. This is really awesome. It's just cool to be a part of it. And um, I appreciate what you're doing for Ethan. He was a great dude. I miss him a lot.
0: Me too, man. And I appreciate you being part of it and helping me get it, get it out there. All right, man. All right. Take care, Justin. Talk soon. All right. See ya. Well, that was a great conversation with Justin and I appreciate him taking the time to sit down with me and talk about Ethan I know he's a very busy man. And as a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, he was uh, on his way to either a performance or a rehearsal right after our conversation. So I know that um, he is pretty active in the music scene there. And if you would like to keep up with Justin, he is on Facebook. And the band Rose Colored Eyes also has a Facebook page. So if you're interested in listening to their uh, music or and seeing them perform you can stay in touch with him on facebook i would also recommend listening to the self-titled rose colored eyes album on all streaming services i look forward to keeping in touch with justin and um, watching his progress as he continues writing recording and performing in his music career during our conversation justin mentioned a song that ethan used to sing called a boy named luke where he took the Johnny Cash song, A Boy Named Sue, and put a a Star Wars twist on it. If you're curious about that song or would like to hear it, I did post it a few weeks ago on Ethan's uh, Remembering Ethan podcast Facebook page. You can go on there and listen to it if you'd like, and it's under the title, A Tribute to Ethan Newman. Please make sure to join me next week when I'll be speaking with Megan Miller, Megan is married to Dean Miller, um, my guest for the first episode of this season. But she actually knew Ethan before uh, her and Dean started dating and got engaged and married. And she has some really great memories and thoughts about her friendship with Ethan. So make sure that you join me next week uh, to listen to our conversation. I'd like to leave you today with a song called Demons by Rose-Colored Eyes. I'm excited to play this because it has not been released yet. So this is the first preview of the song. Uh, Justin's not sure what the name of the album will be or when it will be released, but it was very nice of him to share some of his unreleased music with us. Thanks for joining and I'll see you soon.